And thank you for being here, and I'll try to make your time worthwhile and try not to, to waste any of it. Take your Bibles with me this evening and open to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Please make sure you pray for Pastor and, and Pam as they travel back. Uh, we certainly look forward to having the pastor home and, and back uh, here. And, and, and I just, I, I really am so much more comfortable when the pastor's in his office and, and, and everything. And, and I, told him, I told him Monday when I drove him to the airport, I said, you know, one of the biggest reasons I want to drive you here is to make sure you get here safely. And, uh, you know, I want to be there when you land because I want to make sure you get back safely. I have ulterior motives for that. But anyway, um, I do appreciate the opportunities that he has from time to time to spend with his family. So you be sure and pray for him. And uh, when he's back, let him know how much we appreciate him and how much we missed him. Revelation chapter 3, let's stand together as I'll read just a couple of verses from Revelation chapter 3, and uh, we'll begin at verse number 11. Behold, I come quickly, hold that, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have tonight to, to be here. I just pray the Holy Spirit would bless the teaching and would teach us from thy word. Strengthen us in, in, in thy word, we pray tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Tonight I'm going to speak to the real backbone of Berean Baptist Church. Now this is one of those... This is one of those unique Wednesday evenings that we have occasionally throughout the year. Pastor is away. It's a time of vacation with it being Easter break. Many people are traveling and, and things such as that. Our, our youth department is down in Southern California. And usually on, on these Wednesday evenings, only the most faithful people in our church attend these services uh, on an evening such as this. So with that in mind, as I sat down and Pastor spoke to me several weeks ago about speaking tonight. And as I sat down this week to, 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 to prepare this message, I, I thought about the fact that primarily tonight we'd have our, our most rock bed people here. And, and um, so I thought about what would be most profitable to discuss when we are sitting with our, most, with our strongest people. So I, I wanted to take the time tonight to be an encouragement to each of you here. And I wanted to speak tonight concerning being a pillar in my church, a pillar in my church. And that's the title of tonight's message. Um, this is what I have desired to be since the day that I was saved by the grace and irresistible calling of my Savior, a pillar in my church. And I want to ask a question tonight. Is this your desire? Is it your desire tonight to be a pillar in this church called Berean Baptist Church. Do you have a desire tonight to be a support upon which the church rests? Um, I thought about this, and, I, and, and it brought to mind an engineering principle uh, that I learned when I studied architectural design, and that is the engineering principle of load distribution. Uh, I don't want to bore you too much for a moment, but allow me to share this with you. No building on earth can stand without enough support. It requires support. And that support usually is not found in just one 
member or one column or one pillar. It, it involves many, many, many supports in its structure. And each of those supports uh, are, play a vital part. Load distribution is where the entire weight of a building is engineered in such a way that the load is equally distributed to many different members and many different parts. Engineers seek to distribute the burden to as many supports as possible. Furthermore, the optimum design is one that distributes this load as evenly as possible to each point of support so as not to overload any one point. In addition to this, a building support is only as strong as the foundation upon which it rests. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, we read, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And the strength of the church is founded in our foundation, Jesus Christ. But the, the strength of the local church, in, in, a, in a physical sense, the strength here rests upon those of you who sit here tonight. Uh, I've said it many times when we have men's breakfast. I often tell our men, our church will never be any stronger than our families are. A church will never be any stronger than, than, than its members, than its families. And, and, and this is so important. Back to this principle of load distribution for a moment. Load distribution, uh, when supports are joined together, there must be a minimal of three contact points. There must be a minimal of three points upon which that support is anchored and founded. I believe that my understanding of this principle has helped me over the years, over the last 26 years in ministry, in understanding my role in the local church. So tonight, I'm not going to deliver to you anything that you've never heard before. I'm not going to introduce some, some new principle or new idea or new philosophy. I'm just going to remind each of us for a few moments tonight of our individual responsibilities to the local church, a pillar in the church of God. That's what I want to be. I want to be a pillar in Berean Baptist Church. I want to be someone that, that the church members and the pastor can, can rely upon and can depend upon uh, to, to, to be a strength and support of this church. And I pray that's your prayer tonight. So let us look at these. And in honoring these responsibilities, by the way, each one of us will become pillars in our local church. So let me share three thoughts with you tonight, and, uh, and, and we'll be done. Number one, we have a responsibility tonight to leadership. We have a responsibility to leadership. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, Paul writes, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. I said we have a responsibility to leadership. Now by this statement, I do not imply our responsibility to follow leadership. 
I'll discuss that in just a few moments. I am in fact stating that we have a responsibility, each one of us individually have a responsibility to exhibit leadership. If we will be pillars in the church, we must be leaders in the church. You and I are to be leaders. Uh, Examples is what Paul called it. He told Timothy to be an example. And you and I are to be examples. We are to be leaders. Now, whether you want to or not, you're all leaders tonight. Every one of you. Yes, we are all followers as well. But we all have also the responsibility of leadership. We have a power in, given to us, and this power is the power of influence. And it's a power every man and every woman possesses. And we must use it wisely. This power has been given to you by God. And this power is given so that we may accomplish the work that He has called us unto. So how can we use this power tonight? How can we use this power of influence to serve God tonight? Well, let me share some thoughts with you. First, we can, we can use this power of influence by being an example in living. Letter A on your study sheets, be an example in living. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, we read, "...that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God." I said, be an example in living, in the way we conduct our lives. Our lives, by the way, will reveal our true heart and our true nature. Anyone can put on a facade for a short period of time, but sooner or later, what we are inside comes out. You see, that's one of the reasons I love our pastor. Our pastor focuses more on what's inside the man than what's outside on the man. You know, some of the the dearest people I've ever known, some Christians that I've known, would, would literally turn their nose up at them because of the way they look. And they've never taken the time to find out what's on the inside. By the way, can I remind you, and I believe this. Matter of fact, pastor and I spoke about this on the way to the airport. I believe the outside needs to be right. I believe that. But do you know, God himself is more concerned with what's on the inside than what's on the outside. He even even as much as told the the Pharisees, outwardly you appear as whited sepulchers. But inwardly, what did he say? You're filled with dead man's bones and all uncleanness. And you know, it's been my experience that those that run around making the most noise about the outside are the people that have the filthiest inside. So we need to be careful. We need to be an example in living. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 11 tells us, Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. So let let me say this. Let your faith be seen by your life. Let your faith be seen by your life. We've all heard the old saying, your walk talks and your talk talks. 
but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Let your faith, you, you say you have faith, then let it be seen in your life. We're to be an example in living. How do we wield this power of influence? Secondly, letter B, be an example in love. Be an example in love. In John chapter 13 and verse 35, we read, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. I love that verse. One who is loved must exhibit love in return. One who is loved must exhibit love in return. And we are to be an example in love. The Lord commanded us to love one another. And he said, by our love for each other, the world will know that we are his disciples. Not by, not by how big a church crowd we can, we can gather together. Not, not by how, how big our offerings are. Not by how, how well we sing. He said, the world will know you're my children. The world will know you're my disciples when you are capable of showing and demonstrating love to one another. And that's so important, isn't it? We bite and we devour one another so rapidly in this country. Christians attacking Christians to gain a little advantage or, 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 or just to, to make themselves look a little better. And we're to be an example uh, that power of influence you have tonight as a member of this church, that power of, of, of influence that you possess uh, should be demonstrated in the way you live and should be demonstrated in your love for your fellow man. I have a debt tonight to my brother. I have a debt. And that debt is due because of the love shown to me by Christ. In Romans chapter 13 and verse 8, we read, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. The only, thing, the only debt that I, that I should owe my brother is to love him. And the only debt that you owe me is to love me. We are to love one another. So how do we use our power of influence? Well, by, by, by being an example in living, by being an example in love, and then thirdly, by being an example in liberty. We should use our power of influence tonight to be an example in liberty. What do I mean by this? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23, we read, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. We have rights, don't we? Boy, how often do Christians let us know, I have my rights. I have, I have the right to choose this. I have the right to, to make my own decisions. Who does that preacher think he is telling me what to do and how to believe? Who, who does he think he is? I have my rights. And we do. Paul said, all things are lawful for me. I'm not bound under the, under the law of Moses. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things profit not. And I am to be an example in this matter of liberty. We have been made free tonight by the blood of Christ. We have been made free 
so that we can become servants to God. You know, when, before we were saved, we were servants of sin. We wanted to serve God, but we couldn't because we were under the taskmaster of sin. But Christ set me free. And in setting me free, he enabled me to become a servant of the Lord. And I'm to use the liberty I have tonight to enslave myself to God. Now, most Christians don't want to do that. Oh, wait, I, I, you mean I'm free, but I've got to be a slave? Well, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6 and verse 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, as your members, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Hallelujah. On, on November 25th, 1981, when the Lord Jesus Christ saved my wretched soul, he enabled me to become a servant of God. Before that moment, I could not serve the Lord. I had not that ability. And if we are going to be pillars in the church, then we must be servants to the Lord in the local church. Let your freedom be seen by your submission to God. Let your freedom be seen by your submission to God. If someone comes up to you and says, boy, that religion you follow, man, they, 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 they make you go to church all the time, don't they? You should say, no, I get to go to church all the time. I have the privilege of being a slave, a servant to the Lord. By the way, we're all servants to something. We're either servants to the flesh and sin, or we're servants to the Spirit of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're to be an example in liberty. So tonight, if, if we are going to be pillars... First, a pillar is one that assumes the role of leader in his church. And then secondly, if we are going to be pillars in the church, number two, we have a responsibility to loyalty. First, we had a responsibility to leadership, and in that, not following leaders, but exhibiting leadership. And then secondly, we have a responsibility to loyalty. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we read from verses 9 through 11. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. You know, that's some of the saddest verses I've ever read in the Scripture. Paul says, Demoth has forsaken me. Isn't that sad? You know, one of, the, one of the saddest things, I think, is when a Christian forsakes his church. That's sad. I mean, when a Christian just says, I just don't care. Church is just not that important. 
when a, when a blood-bought child of God can develop that philosophy, to me, that's very sad. And, and, and please, understand me. But by the grace of God, such am I. I'm not standing up here tonight and trying to project myself as, as some super, super Christian. I just praise God that, that, that I've learned these principles. And I pray that, that God can keep me living into these principles. But it's so sad when people forsake their church. Earlier I stated that we do have the responsibility to be followers. And this is the emphasis of this, my second point tonight. We are to be followers. And as followers, we are to exhibit loyalty. Now, what is loyalty? Well, loyalty is is defined as fidelity, or careful and exact observance of duty, or performance of obligations. So with this definition in mind, where should our loyalties rest tonight? Allow me to share a few thoughts with you. First, our loyalties should rest in the Word of God. Our loyalties should rest in the Word of God. Psalm 119 and verse 11, the psalmist writes, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Our loyalty as as believers should always be given to the truth. And God's word is truth. In John 17 and verse 17, in, in our Lord's prayer, he prayed, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Our loyalty tonight is to be to the word of God. This is why any, any group, any denomination, any, 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 anyone who, who, would, who would be more loyal to, a, to a, a movement than to the Word of God is to be forsaken. We're not to be loyal to a certain group of people. We're to be loyal to the Word of God. And if that if that group of people are going in a direction that that goes against the teachings of the Word of God, my loyalties will not be with that group of people. I'm sorry. My loyalty is first to the Word of God. This is the first place we place our loyalty in the Word of God. Let me make a statement. Do not change God's Word to fit your life. Change your life to fit God's Word. Again, do not change God's word to fit your life. Change your life to fit God's word. Oh, there's so many of our Baptist brethren today who are changing their whole thought process because if they they stand on the teaching of the word of God, they will become ostracized and alienated from all the people in their fellowship. Well, let me stand all alone, but let me stand on the Word of God. Where's your loyalty tonight? Is it to some pastor a couple hundred miles away who has a big old giant church? Or is it to God and His Word? Is our loyalty to what 
Baptists have stood upon since John stood in the, Bapt- in, in, in the Jordan River baptizing. By the way, he was John the Baptist. My Catholic father argued with me once that John the Baptist was a Catholic. I said, well, then why didn't they call him John the Catholic? Oh, we, we, we placed our loyalties in people rather than in the Word of God. And that, that has gotten us into trouble. And it's causing us to lose many young people. And, and we've got to get it straight. Our loyalties must, be in, must rest in the Word of God. Secondly, our loyalties must rest in the work of the ministry. Not only must it rest in the Word of God, but secondly, it must rest in the work of the ministry. In John chapter 9 and verse 4, our Savior spoke these words, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And folks, you and I must place our loyalty in the work of the local church, in the work of the ministry. Paul gave up all that he had for the privilege of serving God. Again, tell your friends, I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. I don't have to tithe. I get to tithe. I don't have to uh, go every Sunday. I get to go every Sunday. It's a privilege. And Paul understood this. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8, he writes, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And folks, Paul gave up an awful lot. Paul was, listen, in the political, in the political structure of, of, of his day, Paul was... He was like a, he was way up there. He was being groomed, so to speak, for the presidency. Paul was a man who, who, had, who had been, who had sat under the teachings of Gamaliel. Paul was very well educated. Paul was a, was a, not only was Paul a Jew, but he was fortunate to also be a Roman. And Paul was in a very unique position politically he could, have, he could have easily gotten to the office of the high priest in his lifetime. And Paul surrendered this privilege. He gave it up just to be counted worthy to be a servant of Christ. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 25, we write, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And we see here the principle, the principle of investing our life into the work of the Lord. And pillars in the church, their loyalties rest in the word of God and their loyalties rest in the work of the ministry. Praise the Lord. 56 people came out for work day, Mr. Evans. Praise the Lord. That was wonderful. And there are so many things to, that need to be done in this church. And folks, it's you and I that have to do them. We need, listen, we need a college and career uh, department in our church. We have, we have young people as they graduate high school and come out of our youth group have nothing. Nothing. How many of you realize that probably the period in your life when companionship is, is probably the most important to you is in those years? 
And if we don't have something to, to, to gather together a group of young people so that they can find the, the right fellowship in the right place, in the right environment, they're going to go out and they're going to seek their companionship and they're going to find companionship. But we may not like the companionship they find. We have a need in this church for, for that and, and so many other ministries. And it's, it's you and I that have to fill those jobs. We're the ones that have to, as Paul said, I don't have time for it, and, and, and I, I don't have the resources for it, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Folks, if we're pillars in the church, we must put, place our loyalties in the work of the ministry. And then tonight, let me say this, make a statement. Real life is found in the path of serving God. Real life is found in the path of serving God. 26 years ago, 26 years ago, my wife and I took a youth group. Knew nothing about it. And for 26 years, I've I've mentored teenagers. And it hasn't been a smooth road. It's been very rough and rocky. But you know, I can stand here tonight and honestly, I can look back and I can tell you I wouldn't trade one moment in my life. I wouldn't exchange one moment in my life because real life is found in the path of serving God. And then let me say letter C. Our loyalties should rest in the wisdom of God's man. In the wisdom of God's man. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17, we read, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Now, all that needs to be said in this place is, is said by Scripture itself. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, we read, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls, as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Now, we have to be careful here. We have to be careful here because, remember, our loyalties don't rest in man. Our loyalties rest in the Word of God. But when God has given us a pastor, and that pastor's life is evident to us, that he is a man that loves the Lord and walks with God and is faithful to his God, then we are to be loyal to that man. Never should a critical word come out of our mouth toward our pastor. He's worthy, the Bible says, of double honor. Now, I'm going to say something, and I know he wouldn't ask me to say this. And some of you might even get upset with me for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You need to watch how you speak to that man. Some of you are still going around calling him by his name. And I tell you, that makes my skin crawl. You know, it wasn't easy for me. I knew him as, by his name. I won't even say it. I knew him by his name before he became the pastor. But you know, the, the Sunday night we voted him in as pastor, the very next morning, I had to, I had to, Concentrate and make myself do it. But since that moment, every time I've, I've spoken to him, I've said, Pastor. You know, you say, well, what's the big deal? 
it's, it's respect. It's respect. And, you know, I teach our children. Sometimes the kids, and one, one day one of, the, one of the kids, one of the newer students came up to me, and one of the older students, and he called me Dalton. And I turned around and I said, listen, you can call me Brother Dalton. You can call me Mr. Dalton. You can call me Mr. Abshire, Brother Abshire. But there better be something preceding the name. Don't you call me by my name. Because, you know, I was raised that way, folks. I was raised to call my elders Mr. And to show respect unto people that are older than me. Our pastor is worthy of honor. Now, again, don't get mad at me for saying this. Some of you, I know, some of you write him notes or say, speak to him. and It's a habit. Well, you know what? Break that habit. Because we're to be loyal to the man of God. And we're to be loyal to his office and loyal to his position. And we're to show him honor. Let me say this. God blesses those that honor and obey his preachers. God blesses those that honor and obey his preachers. Over the years, when I've had to make a decision, I've gone in and and I've prayed before I went in and said, Lord, I'm trusting that you're going to give my pastor the wisdom to counsel me wisely. And when I go in, there have been times when I've walked in wanting to do a certain thing and spoke to the pastor and he advised me not to do it, and I walk out and I don't do it. And God has blessed me over the years because I've submitted myself to the man that he has called and the man that he has put in that place. And let me tell you something. A church will never accomplish anything for God until it gets this matter of respecting its pastor right. And we need to honor our pastor. Honor the man of God. We have a responsibility tonight. If we're going to be pillars, if you and I are going to be the the, the support upon which the burden of this church rests in 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 an earthly sense, we understand that the foundation of the church is Christ the Lord. But if you and I are going to be the support, the strength of Berean Baptist Church in an earthly sense, we have a responsibility to leadership. We have a responsibility to loyalty. And let me say lastly tonight, we have a responsibility to longevity. We have a responsibility to longevity. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we read from verses 6 through 8, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul didn't give up. He didn't quit. He finished what he started. Listen, if anybody ever had a reason to quit, it was Paul. Read the scriptures. He gives us a, he gives us a list of everything he endured for the, for, the, for the sake of preaching the gospel. And folks, let me tell you, we don't, have, we don't come anywhere near that. You and I have never and probably will never suffer the kind of agony and torment and pain and sorrow that Paul suffered to keep on going for Christ. He finished what he started. 
pillars in the building cannot falter. If they do, the building will collapse. So it is with you and I tonight. If we will be pillars in our church, then we must endure. We must persevere. In Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes in verses 9 through 10, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them which are of the household of faith. Just don't give up. Don't quit. The danger to the church is when the pillars begin to falter. You know, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. The church cannot be destroyed from outside. The church can only be destroyed from inside. When you and I begin to crumble and falter, the church becomes weaker. Remember, the load is shared by all the pillars. When one pillar gives way, that load must, must be bore by others around it. Pretty soon, with each pillar that falls, the stability of the church becomes weaker. It's a very simple engineering principle. Weakening enough, weaken enough support, and you can collapse a building. Uh, every one of you probably saw this in true life. You remember the World Trade Center? Engineer, engineering marvel. Well, it just so happens that uh, Mr. Bin Laden was an engineer. And he knew exactly how that building had to be attacked to weaken enough support to cause the superstructure to, to buckle and fall. And folks, you and I had better remember, you better remember, if you fall, you threaten me. If I fall, I threaten you. Because when a pillar falls, the other pillars around it have to take up the slack. And if pillars keep falling, and pillars keep falling, and pillars keep falling, after a while, none of the pillars can hold up. Your children, your grandchildren, are depending on you, they're depending on me. We need to understand that. More than understand it, we need to accept responsibility for it. We have a responsibility to longevity. Now, quickly, in closing, what can we do to promote longevity in our Christian walk? Let me give you three things and we'll be done. Three, three words. First word, determination. Determination. In Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. Daniel was determined. As a young boy, he was determined he was going to do right. He decided it, he determined it, and that was it. He didn't re-examine his commitment based upon the moment's circumstances. Daniel didn't say, okay, God, well, I promised you I'd never defile myself, but now looky where I am. Daniel didn't even think about it. They brought in that food. Daniel looked at it and said, no, I can't eat that. 
Can't do it. He had determination. And you and I, if we are going to endure, if we are going to keep on keeping on for God, we have to have determination. Secondly, we need dedication. Dedication. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Oh, by the way, this was only written by the smartest man that ever lived. The, 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 the one man next to Jesus Christ that was smarter than any man that ever did or ever will live wrote that. You think maybe he knows what he's talking about? Dedication. How dedicated are we to God? Do we allow how tired we are to determine whether we're in Sunday school or not? We don't let how tired we are determine whether we go to work or not. Is your paycheck more important than God? Listen, if you were foolish enough to go to bed at 4 a.m., I don't care how tired you are. Get up and go to church. Amen? Oh, okay. Not too much support there. Oh, this, this pillar's getting heavy. Where's our dedication? If, if the company has a picnic on Sunday, do we, do we not go to church because that'd be more fun? We need, we need determination. We need dedication. And lastly, we need diligence. If we are going to endure, we need determination, dedication, and we need diligence. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. We need diligence. One of the biggest reasons we falter and fail as Christians is because we're too careless. Just plain and simple careless. We have to show diligence to our Christian walk. Walking circumspectly. And, and that's a military term, by the way. Paul uses a military, a, a military connotation. It'd be like walking through a minefield. You know, if you're walking through a minefield, you're going to pay attention to where you're stepping. You're not just going to go walking through there lollygagging along. You don't call the guy and say, hey, man, there's a minefield. Would you check it out for me? Sure, man, no problem. He's not going to go very far. We have to be circumspect, diligent. Now listen, folks. I certainly hope I didn't get anyone mad. I didn't start out to get anyone mad. But the truth of the matter is, Berean Baptist Church needs some pillars. Let me ask you a question. Are we or are we not following the word of God? If we are, get behind it. I want to be a pillar in the house. I want to be someone that the pastor can call on if he needs, needs me. I've tried as best I can. And my wife can tell you this much to sometimes our dismay. I've never said no. Pastor calls me. What do you need, Pastor? 
If he calls me and says, can you, do me, can you do me a favor? I don't even ask him what it is. No problem. What do you need? Listen, folks, and I'm not, again, I'm not trying to exalt myself tonight. I, I want to be a pillar. I want to be a pillar in this church. If I'm going to come to this church, and if I'm going to be a member in this church, I want to be one that everyone can depend on. What about you tonight? Do you want to be a pillar? If you do, we've got to get certain things straight. Because weak pillars weaken the structure. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and pray with me, just for a moment. Just for a moment. Our Heavenly Father, we, we love our church. We love our church because you love our church. You died for our church. Jesus shed his blood and paid the price so that Berean Baptist Church could be in existence. The Bible tells us that he loves the church. And Lord, we, we, we want to love it too. So I pray that as we sit here tonight, that you would look at our hearts and you would see each of us as having a desire to not just be an average church member, but to be a pillar church. And I pray you'd strengthen us, and I pray you'd help us. I pray you'd give us that determination and that dedication and the diligence that it takes to year after year after year bear the burden of the local church and do the work of the Lord. I pray each person right now would examine their own heart and in their heart would make that decision to do whatever it takes to be a pillar in the house of God. And I pray our church would would be strengthened and would grow. And Lord, I I don't ask that our church would grow so that we can have recognition or, or so that we can feel that we've done something. I pray our church would grow because it brings glory to your name and it pleases you. So we ask you to bless this time we've had together tonight. And I pray that each person in his own heart, in his own way, would dedicate himself to you and to the work in this church. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, folks, we're not going to sing a dismissal hymn tonight. Uh, I've gone over a couple of minutes. So why don't we just go ahead and uh, um, stand to our feet and let's sing Coming Again and then we'll, uh, we'll dismiss. Coming again, coming again Maybe morning, maybe noon Maybe evening and maybe soon Coming again, coming again Oh, what a wonderful day it will be